everybody, welcome this multi-Thursday to our show. It is a great day to praise God. The question that we have today for you is, what is your word to describe Jesus? You know, when I first got saved, I really loved the word Savior because it was saved. Um, and as I started walking through life, uh, the best word I used to have was deliverer. So I love that word deliverer for Jesus, you know. Now, I think I love friend. I love bridegroom. These are some of the words. So excited to see what you're going to write as your word for describing Jesus. So I do have some jokes for you. And I think this is hilarious. Okay. Um, have you ever tried to eat a clock? It's very time consuming. What do you call a lazy kangaroo? A pouch potato. <laughs> oh, no. What did the banana say to the doctor? It wasn't peeling well. I can't believe that these are the jokes that I say on Monday, Thursday. So today's scripture for you is John eleven twenty five, And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. You know, um, I love that. I heard somebody say this recently, that Jesus makes us indestructible. You know, whatever may happen to us, whether we go through the valley, whether we go through the mountain, whether we go uh, through the cave or whether we're in the field, you know, one thing we know that we will spend eternity with Jesus because of the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. You know, um, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, he took the cup and he said, this is my body and this is my blood. And he said to do this in remembrance of him. That means we partner with him in the, the blood, which represents the new covenant. And we partner with him becoming the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we confess our faith and believe in our hearts that Jesus alone is Lord, this is your day to really enjoy our Jesus and what he did. I would encourage you at this time to read the gospel of John chapter 13 and meditate upon what Jesus did for us on the cross. Our God is savior, deliverer, and he's redeemer. So today's guest is Dr. Sharon Stone. Um, I love her. She's one of the most amazing, wonderful prophets of the Lord that I know. Um, you know, she founded um, CIE, which is over, what, 20 years in, the, in, in Europe, has raised up, mentored, mothered so many wonderful ministers that I know today, and they're impacting this nation. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Sharon. Hi, Dr. Sharon. Welcome to Revival Life today. Prethi, it's always good to be with you. You know, virtual hugs, <laughs> kisses. You know, I can't wait till we're together. And it is a, it's always a joy to be with you. Oh, my gosh. You are looking lovely as usual. Thank um, you. You know, and um, see, I'm going to jump straight in, Dr. Sharon. Great. One of the things that I love is your prophetic. I know you're a prophet, but not everyone's prophetic. Do I love this much? But you are so spot on. So one of the questions I really want to ask you is when did and how did your prophetic start, Dr. Sharon? I think I'm going to I think that mine will be similar to a lot of people and they may not even realize it being the prophetic. But um, I remember about when I was three years old, uh, I remember, um, uh, you know, my eyes open in the spirit and I would see this at night, this lion pace back and forth in front of my uh, bedroom door. And, you know, anybody that knows my testimony, I came from a, 
uh, abusive family and it wasn't safe and or and that and so um but I would watch this lion pace back and forth by my door and then it would stop and it would op I couldn't hear the roar but it would open its mouth and roar that started happening about the time I was three so wow. I was see and that was truly the lion of Judah you know uh, the, the protecting God but then uh, probably about the time I was six um, uh, I started um, I told my mom I could fly and uh, and you know she she just kept telling me no. But the reason was, was when I go to bed at night, um, a man I never could see would come and take my hand. And I could tell he was, because my dad was a, a, a construction worker. So the man had calluses. So the man with calluses all over his hands. And he would take me up. And, you know, because I had a bone disease, I was in and out of wheelchairs, my world was very tiny. And so uh, he would take me up. And all of a sudden, my world was big. And I was not limited, and it was um, it was definitely uh, uh, breaking uh, confinement off of me. And you know, it was later that I realized that was the nail scarred hand, you know, Jesus that that uh, was doing that. And then about the time I was uh, oh, just barely in my teens, and I had not received Christ because people used to say you know, God must love you so much to do this to you. And, you know, and so I thought, well, if, the, if God is hurting me like this with the bone disease and all the broken bones, then, you know, I, he's not a safe person to get to know. So uh, I kind of held my distance. But um, um, so I would tell people when they would talk to me about God, I'd go, I don't believe in God. Well, of course I did, but I just said that to put them off. But every time I would say that, I would actually hear this voice that would say, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And uh, I did not know that was a scripture at the time. And, uh, and one day, I think I was probably about 16, 15, 16, I was playing Bible roulette. I don't know if you've ever done that where you just open the Bible anywhere. You know, what does God say? And, you know, here I'm not even a Christian. I'm playing Bible roulette. And uh, I, I got to, and then I saw it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. No. <laughs> yes. And so, um, so I have to say there was probably never a time that, that my spiritual senses were not aware of God. Uh, even and all of those were before I was saved. And once I got saved, then of course it just manifested on a whole nother level. But, you know, just like with anybody else, it, it has to be grown and developed. But, um, but, you know, I think that so often we uh, neglect children real, not realizing their eyes are already open, you know, to spiritual things and their, their ears are already open and they're sensitive. And, and uh, so that's really how I came into it. And, you know, it, it's been an active part of my uh, entire Christian walk from the beginning, hearing the voice of God. So when you, after you came to the Lord, did, um, did someone immediately recognize that you have the prophetic gifting or, um, did you have to kind of find your way through this? Did someone mentor you? In the early days? No. Um, uh, I was very passionate, uh, when I came to know the Lord, I came to the Lord on the end of the Jesus movement in California. And so I was very passionate about the Lord a lot of witnessing, a lot of that. But I found out when I would witness to people, I would have revelation to witness with. 
And so I didn't even have the words to say it. I didn't know whether to call it prophecy, didn't know to call it word of knowledge. I didn't know any of that. I just knew I was, I was being led by the Holy Spirit. And um, so that was really all I knew. And then people started calling me a prophet because I did give a revelation. And, uh, but I couldn't receive it because I came from a mainline denominational church that, you know, they didn't have apostles and prophets and they definitely didn't have women in, in those giftings. And so, um, so when people would say that, I just kind of put it aside. I didn't really, um, it didn't change my passion. I was already, uh, uh, a youth pastor. I was already uh, working at my church. By 19, I was already pastoring myself. So it didn't it didn't hold me back. But I just thought I was the substitute until some anointed man came along, you know, to, for his position. But I told God, you know, I wasn't I wasn't cold to it. I just said, God, if this really is what you've called me to do, then I I so appreciate other people telling me. But this is so important to me. I really need to hear it from you. And um, I remember uh, one day when the Lord uh, spoke to me that, that he had uh, created me uh, to stand amongst the prophets and to speak amongst the prophets. And, and, uh, and I have to say, it didn't change my gifting. It accelerated my um, confidence and courage, you know, at that time, uh, knowing that uh, to be able to speak from that place rather of... Uh, of not just edification, exhortation, and comfort, but also from the area of um, uh, direction, uh, correction, um, uh, atmosphere, uh, nations, government, you know. And so, uh, so it did change the um, where the word was released. But um, uh, I, I really, uh, it really grew with me. And of course, I didn't know what to call it when I started prophesying. I thought. I found a scripture in the Bible that says that um, uh, that that we uh, sing and then we sing a spiritual song. And uh, uh, I thought because I was just praying in tongues all the time, I thought and then I would go right into uh, uh, Revelation singing. I thought, oh, I'm just singing a spiritual song. I didn't even know it was prophecy till probably probably about a few years in and uh, uh you know, when I came into that revelation, you know, the Bible says that we prophesy according to our proportion of faith and faith comes by hearing the word of God. Then, uh, you know, definitely there was a, um, uh, a just, you know, just an easy flow. Uh, and it, it grew. But then I came in later, you know, you know, Dr. Bill Hammond, my father in the Lord. Yeah. And so uh, at 12 years after I had been ministering uh, is when I came to know him. And he is definitely my father. And the Lord spoke to him yesterday on the phone and uh, uh, love the man. And But uh, it's different from being a prophet that just grows up to being a prophet that is raised up. And so I had, I had both opportunities because in the early years, nobody even knew if there were such a thing as prophets when I was, when I was coming forth. But then when, um, when I came into relationship with him, then I had the opportunity to, to really be raised up and not just grow up. And I, I, I so want to see that for the, the emerging prophets today. So um, Dr. Sharon, I like that term that you used, raised up or grow up. Now, many people feel like they've had no one to mentor them. And I know that you've mentored so many people and so many of the people who are right now in prophetic offices in the, in the UK 
actually, you know, the heritage goes back to you raising them up. I, I know you were doing the mentoring days in Windsor. Now, this is a question I want to ask. What are the best ways to be mentored by somebody? And what is the attitude we should have? A lot of people say, nobody is mentoring me. But I sometimes find that if we don't have a, a position in our hearts to be mentored, we may not find our mentor. Just want to hear about what you think in terms of attitudes and some of the keys to being mentored. I think there's different levels of mentoring. There's the type of mentoring you can do by your teaching or someone reading your books or investing in someone. But then there's a different type of mentoring where um, you share life with someone and you build in them and you take a godly uh responsibility for making sure character is built and and the gifting is coming forth with integrity and and that and that you even open up doors for them and build platforms and one of the areas i love training and the prophetic and always do we're still doing online uh, mentoring days uh each month but uh one of the things that i love is training of course in the novice as well as the seasoned prophet but I honestly know that my area of specialty is to train prophets to the nations. Those that are going to come forth, that are going to help lead the course of their nation for their church, their government, or whatever sphere they're operating in. And so uh, we, uh, you know, those are not the majority of who you train, but those are, are definitely a good percentage of uh, what those that I invest in on the highest level of mentoring and um, and I see them regularly talk to them regularly function with them regularly um, you know uh, they get a, a level of my investment that other people wouldn't get uh, but I think when you said that you know a lot of people come and say God told me I'm supposed to be mentored by you and it, that can mean a lot of things that means they can come to our mentoring days we have excellent training on our mentoring days you know, uh, they can take some of the courses with me. I'm teaching a course right now that's called Seven Times More Revelation. It's one of the most exciting courses I've ever taught. And, uh, you know, so there's lots of levels of mentoring. And, you know, in, and then there's those that you journey life with. And um, I think that most people think of the journey in life when you think of mentoring. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that everybody does it differently because different characters, different personalities and um i am very direct but i'm probably also very motherly uh in uh what i do but uh you know i i believe in um uh high calls uh take high character i believe that uh, great anointings um um come with great sacrifice <laughs> you know uh, a lot of those things that uh, people don't want to hear you know, I, I mean but, I can definitely like um, I can testify that even the pe some of the people around you, they they do. I mean, you do have mother, you do have a mothering uh, heart towards them, and I you know and you do give opportunities. Uh, but you were talking about prophets to the nations, and now we know that within the church in the UK, uh, within the church in the U.S that there's been um, with the elections and a lot of the things that have happened. Um, a lot of people are using this word that, is, that there is a current disillusionment with prophetic voices. 
one of the things I want to ask you is, do you agree? And as prophetic people, how do we handle that, Dr. Sharon? I think that I always like to handle things um, transparently. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that is always the best. You know, even when I when preaching, you know, I always tell all my own secrets. And I always, you know, if I'm going to use anybody for a negative example, I'm going to use me. Because that way, the enemy has nothing he can ever come back and bite you with. You know, I mean, you've got everything out there and you're, you're operating in transparency. The Bible never tells us that we are going to be 100% right with our revelation. And so mm -hmm. particularly for growing prophets, not that we ever quit growing, but there is an element of risk every time we open our mouths and every time we say, thus saith the Lord. And I believe that that's one of the reasons God calls his prophets his friends, you know, and not servants, because he knows that, that they're having to get out there and walk on the water every time they open up their mouths. And uh, that's true. But I also believe that, that when you're made for that, that's what you have the ability to do. Even in that, I believe you have to uh, grace yourself by preparation, by training. You need the practice just to be able to have the affirmation back where your strength is, where it's not, all of those things. But the disillusionment, I have not seen the disillusionment in the UK or in Europe, or I, I've been working a little bit with the Australian prophets and the Canadian prophets as well. And I just did something with uh, in the summer with the um, Latin America prophets as well. And I haven't really seen the d disillusionment there. But, I, but in the States, because of the Trump prophecies and because of so many um, high-level uh, recognized prophets that said that he was coming in for another term um, and then wouldn't let go of it even after he was not elected, that I think that um, it became an issue. Um, I think it's probably a bigger issue in some circles than others. And because I like transparency, I believe that you tell people the truth. Um, if you say, hey, listen, I made a mistake, or I believe what somebody else told me and I repeated it, or if um, I got a revelation and I should have got more confirmation, but because other people were saying it, I said it too. I see, I think whatever your truth is, I think people ought to say it. But I do not think people should be forced to come up with an apology. And also, I'm sure you're, you're, you're uh, recognizing, I was asked to do a panel uh, a month ago. And on this, I won't say who with the panel, but just amazing, wonderful people. But uh, they were reacting to what was happening. And so uh, there are new uh, prophetic networks that are starting, particularly in the States. And uh, we're going to give you accountability. We're going to give you... Um, um, you know, we're going to uh, build prophets that have a greater area of integrity. And see, I think I find, you know, and they say, you know, that scripture, that when uh, the prophet speaks, that the others stand by and judge. And so I believe the debate today concerning that particular disillusionment is, is it the prophets that judge or is it the other fivefold ministry that, that judges a word when a prophet says it? And so I, I was listening to a few of these things, and I have to say, I, I, I was very emotional about it. And one of the reasons, and I was not one that prophesied Trump <laughs> being president. Uh, I did the first term, but not the second term. And uh, so, uh, so I, I wasn't needing to uh, uh, feel like I had to have an answer in this situation. But what I see 
is uh, you cannot ask a prophet to have that has national revelation to come bounce it off a group of apostles or pastors or teachers or even other prophets before they speak it because the very nature of the of the office is there's going to be a lot of spontaneity and there will be words that are given at the same time but i think because we want things done so well which we do that there's a desire to put um, boundaries in place and I believe that all fivefold ministry ought to be submitted to one another. I, I don't I don't throw that out at all. I think they ought to all be submitted to one another. But a pastor would not go to someone else and say, should I preach this this Sunday? And, and neither should a prophet have to go somewhere and say, can I prophesy this over a nation? And that's really hard because what happens is it ends up being religious policing. And, and, you cannot have a prophet grow in an environment where there's religious uh, policing. And I want there to be good accountabilities. I, I operate in that already with so many others. And, and uh, you know, we do uh, know where we, everybody is in journey life. And I still have those that I'm accountable to. Um, and I do believe there's times that you bounce your word off other people before you, you give it. But there's always going to be the we prophesy in part and you release your part. You don't know how it's always going to fit or, or, or when you're going to see it come to pass. But I also believe you do the best you know how to do. And if something happens where that word becomes a stumbling block or a hindrance to anybody, then you, you deal with it as quickly and as honestly and as transparently as you can. Now, if you have a prophet that has consistent issues, and I'm sure you would do the same thing, Prethi, because you're a very strong prophet yourself, that if you had someone that consistently had these issues, you'd have to take them aside and say, hey, I really don't think you should be prophesying into these areas. Um, we just did that to someone um, in the last month who said, really, I don't believe you that you're receiving national words. Your words are, um, are, are, um, uh, offensive. Your words are, are, uh, uh, you know, bashing Wrong. people, Your words are, you know, and, uh, you know, but I think everybody wants to be able to speak into government and they want to be able to speak, uh, you know, as a national prophet, everybody doesn't have that anointing. And so, so, so did we take the time to communicate to that person and say, you really shouldn't do this because it doesn't mean you won't ever be able to do it. But over the last several years, not one of your prophetic words has come to pass in these areas. And so, you know, we're challenging you as a prophet. We want you to be better. And, um, and you we know, ask uh, you not to do that. And very, and, and this particular one wasn't teachable, but uh, <laughs> I believe that, that he still will be. And uh, I think that's I like a good accountability. Point. I think you said a good point about teachability, you know, mm -hmm. but going back to what you were saying, like, one of the things as prophets, if we make an error, often you're called a false prophet. One mistake and you're called a false prophet. But just take, for example, the office of an evangelist. If an evangelist is going out and he shares the gospel with 10 people and only one person accepts, they're not called a false evangelist, are they? Or you've got a, you know, you're a pastor of 100 people and 10 people leave. You're not a false pastor. There is, there is a curve. And, um, and going back to what you were saying, so there is a curve of, as a prophet that, you know, there's, there are margins that 
you know, part of it is revelation, part of it is interpretation, you know, and the the interpretation of what we get, like uh, we may interpret it with our own a bit of worldview or, you know, there's a lot. Everybody that's, that, has their own grid. Yeah, their, their own grid. Um, you were speaking about um, just want to touch back on this. First uh, Corinthians 429 says we should judge all prophecies. So who should judge the prophets? Can I just you I actually, I know you touched on it. I actually believe it's it in that the verse that we're using that it is speaking of the other prophets that are standing by um, mm -hmm. in it, which is quite unique. Um, and the word judge is a strong word. Uh, and I do believe there is a higher judgment on the prophets. Yes, all of them could be false if they preached a false word or some of that. But I believe once you say, thus saith the Lord, you have stepped into another area. And mm -hmm. so we don't want to discount that as well, because that is a different area of responsibility and a different area of authority. But I believe it is the other prophets. And that's why, um, you know, if we got something going on in our nation that is off, you know, what are the, are the other prophets speaking into it? I want you to know I am, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, if there's something that is consistently, um, you know, not hitting the mark or you can see that there is an unhealthy angle or, the, or, or somebody has uh, got a revelation that's not biblical. You know, I think that uh, in the nation, we, and wonderfully, I have, a, I have a reputation that I can go in, uh, and speak to these people, and I do, even, you know, and, and we, the desire is we want to bring them up higher. We want to, we want to um, uh, uh, bring a greater clarity but we also, you know, Paul says, um, I know how to function within my boundaries and my borders, and I don't presume to operate outside of those. Come For on. the prophet, we may have strength in one area of clarity, and we may not have strength in another area of clarity. And so many prophets today do not know where their strength is, and so they try to function in all areas. Now, I believe we can function in any area that the Spirit of God is speaking in, but there will always be places that are our strongest and people need to know those. And then they need to know what, the, what are their weaker areas that would, might require some more prayer and fasting. Um, see, one of the, you, just speaking to you, um, you, Dr. Sharon, you quote so many scriptures in just a con conversation. Um, you know, we are in the Easter season and Easter is a fulfillment of prophecy. Mm -hmm. You know, we can see that there are so many prophetic words. Now, is it important as prophets to be grounded in the word of God, you know, and um, whilst being equally prophetic? What, what do you uh, what, what are your thoughts and what do you see in the current age? Well, Prethi, you're such a strong uh, Bible word of God woman as well. I believe that. Um, that the word of God, the Bible, the logos is the, uh, brings definition to all the revelation that we receive. And if you have someone that has great clarity with revelation, but they don't have a depth in the word, the majority of the time their interpretation is off, um, because it was never meant to function uh, independent of the word of God, uh, the logos and the rhema have to come forth. Now, I think that I don't prophesy a logos, you know, and yet 
it yet when you prophesy a word it better be spiritual laws spiritual truth uh biblical example uh you know something along that line you have to know that that uh, it is validated but at the same time where a lot of people get off of uh and get strange with the prophetic is when they are not using the word of god as the uh um the caller id <laughs> so when i have a revelation my you know the the it is coming through that grid of the of the word of god i did an activation with a group of about 300 students last night and i did an activation called the word the will and the way and so they they had to get a revelation concerning a, a, anything that was god's will in that person's life they had to get a bible word a scripture concerning that and then they had to uh, receive a strategy concerning that you know as part of their growth but i will deliberately build um activations that will cause people to not forget about the word of god also so many times when god speaks something he'll say this is that and if you don't know your bible you won't understand that or he will um refer to to something and you can only speak something that was told you because you've never got in there and studied for yourself and so when god gives us revelation see he's giving us a piece of information that's got a hook on something so that there's understanding so that we can communicate that if we don't have a hook there with the word of god for that revelation to hook on we really don't have a scope to be able to release that prophetic word well and so i encourage people you've got to have a depth of the word of god on the inside of you and you know i have people all the time they're asking me you know what does your schedule look like and how much study time do you do and i don't want to tell people because because then they think oh i've got to do what dr sharon's doing and that that's what that's what you have to do i put in an enormous amount of time in the word of god uh every week i i am not um uh, i do not just pull up on the reserves that are on the inside of me especially not at this time because i believe that god is teaching us from the scriptures uh in this age of truth that uh we're seeing things and learning things that we've never known that is uh activating us and uh bringing a greater manifestation of god to earth so no the word of god has to be a strong part of anybody's uh growth and character and uh not only that i believe that you you can share your experience but you have to teach the word come and on i believe in doing both but i'm not going to tell people to have the same type of encounters that i have i would love for them to but the bible doesn't promise that they're, they're going to have encounters but they may not be the same encounters that i'm going to have with god but in the bible we we have the word of god and the things that it promises us we all get and i i always tell people you know you're you're wanting to see an angel how about doing the works of a believer you know uh <laughs> praying in tongues laying hands on the sick you know uh, uh uh those things all of those are are um uh, spiritual truths and so for me uh the two i don't think can be divided i i fully agree i i you know and um i think it, it um it's a base uh, the word of God is our foundation. 
But another question that a lot of prophets um, or a lot of people are moving in the prophetic, I'm not saying prophets necessarily, well, they, they often struggle with whether they should release every word that they're, they're, they're seeing, you know, receiving. So like, how do you discern what to release and what not to release? Because especially a lot of um, starting prophets, you know, they, they, it's like, just everything. And so how do you discern, uh, Dr. Sharon? Well, it says in Hebrews that one of the ways that we develop our spiritual senses is by use. Mm -hmm. And so we do encourage people to use them. You know, when Jesus called his disciples, come and follow me, uh, he uh, instructed them and they started operating in the supernatural from the beginning. Now, of course, they grew in it and they became better at it because by reason of use, your spiritual senses are trained. But at the same time, with revelation, you have got to learn a correct interpretation and a correct action that goes with uh, revelation when you receive it. And, you know, a lot of times revelation is for us and it's part of our intimacy with God. It's you know, him loving on us, him teaching us how to love on him. Um, uh, him encouraging us, him showing us himself that we might be transformed more into his image. All of those things are amazing. So what do you do with those kind of uh, revelation? Those type of revelations feed your intimacy. So you, you build you build on your intimacy with God with those things that, that, that he's showing you. But when he begins to speak something that is outside yourself, that does not have a direction attached to it, that is when you are going to have to have a determination what you do with it. Because the all words do, don't say prophesy this, you know, like uh, uh, the, the prophet over the valley of dry bones. You know, I command you now prophesy to these dry bones. You know, all of them don't have that type of prophecy. Like Daniel, Daniel saw the amazing dream of the, of the, of the different beasts, the empires that were going to come against uh, the kingdom of God. And uh, it says that he held those things in his heart and he wrote them down, you know. And so uh, both of them received revelation from God. It's validated. And yet there was a different response. And um, I actually teach a word that helps and I call it involvement. Be mm -hmm. involved with your revelation. If you are not involved with your revelation, then most of the time you're going to speak it. And today, you know, most people get a revelation and they run to social media and post it. And I always tell people, please don't let that be your first uh, response to revelation. Because the Bible tells us, you know, like Paul instructed Timothy and he said, war a good warfare over the word that has gone over you. And so people don't, they think, oh, if I'm having conflict, then I have war. No, it said, there is always a place when God has said something and you're not living in it yet, that there is a place where you war a good warfare until you see that fully manifested. And so many of us that are listening today, you have prophecies out there. You have promises from God out there and you are a spectator rather than a warrior. And you are waiting for those things to come to pass when you are a participant, be involved. And so, uh, I, you know, warring a good warfare is only one thing. The other thing is, is speak it, declare it. Talk to God about it. All of those things keep it alive and keep it uh, functioning. And they also bring you to a place where there's an awareness. So 
so you're actually receiving additional downloads and information and revelation as you go. And that's so necessary. You know, God promises to put a light on our path, promises to, to uh, order our steps, promises to make crooked ways straight. A lot of that is your involvement as you're participating. Look at the life of Philip. Uh, God speaks to him. He says, I want you to go down this road over here toward uh, Gaza. God never told him to go what, what he was going to do down that road. God never told him who he was going to meet down that road. All he did was give him that revelation. See, most people, they want to wait till they have so much of the revelation before they take action. But if you're waiting for that, the next installment, which is often a directional part, doesn't come. And so you're left in limbo and you wonder why you're frustrated with it. And so you act upon what God has given you. And that's not presumptuous. You you act on what he has given you. Hey, if you step too far out, like um, uh, Abraham stepped over the boundary uh, of the land of Israel a couple times, pulled right back, you know, and, and, he, and he did that. But then when he got there, he saw the Ethiopian eunuch and he saw the chariot and God says, go, you know, uh, get near the chariot. And so he never knew that he was going to meet the Ethiopian man. He never knew he was going to preach the gospel to him. He never knew he was going to lead him to salvation. He never knew he was going to baptize him. And he definitely didn't know he was going to get translated back to another city when he was done. He just had those two little pieces of revelation. I know people, they want a book. You know, <laughs> they want to know how it's all going to work out before they take action. And um, God... A lot of times, revelation is like connecting the dots. You don't have the fullness of the picture till you start connecting the dots. So I say be involved, whether it's prayer, whether it's prophesying out, declaring it, whether it's um, uh, uh, feeding it with the word of God. And then don't forget this, preparation. You know, when you, when you get a word, whether it's somebody else or whether it's for you, if it's for you, you've got to go, oh, what uh, uh, I've written this down. What is my part? What is God's part? I can make preparation on my part. I can't make a word come to pass, but I can partner with God, which is what he's called us to do. And so I don't make it come to pass, but I partner with him in that area. And, and so in partnering with him in that place, I look if there's any area of preparation that I need. You know, if he's asking me to do something and I don't have a skill set to be able to do it, then I probably uh, need to take some practical things <laughs> and make some preparation concerning that. All of those things are involvement. If you want to be a person that sees 100% of the Word of God that He speaks over your life come to pass, then you've got to be a person of high-level involvement. And uh, so that just means that there is never a right time to take uh, your revelation or your prophecy and put it on a shelf and forget about it. And I know a lot of pastors have told people to do that for years because they saw people that were so frustrated and they didn't see their words coming to pass and they didn't want them frustrated. And so um, they would say, hey, you know, if it's God, it's going to automatically come to pass. You don't have to do anything. Just put it on the shelf. Well, that's not even biblical. There's nowhere in the Bible that that is biblical. And uh, uh, there is always a place where you respond. That's why we are uh, not just hearers, but doers of the word, whether it's logos or whether it's uh, rhema. And I believe that a lot of people that you have words that came to pass years ago and they can be activated even now. Some have lost their sell by date. That's right. But many, uh, God know, knew it was going to take you this long to get to a place where you go, whoo, I am ready. 
I am tired of waiting. I am. I, I realize that I'm a partner with God. I realize that his word was to me and I have a responsibility to do something with it. But now when I release a word to somebody else, I, I, I prophesy that out, um, you know, which is usually the responsibility to do that. But at the same time, if they came back to me later and asked me, well, what do you think that word meant in this area and that area? I would share with them what I had, but I would also not add to it. I wouldn't say, oh, uh, you know, um, uh, I'm not going to try to figure it out. When something is supernaturally given, it does need to be supernaturally interpreted. Wow. Dr. Sharon, such a wealth of, I'm writing notes here. As you're <laughs> I'm trying to be subtle about it. No, <laughs> this is it's so needed. It, it is, is so needed. So you know, this, what you're saying is so much, um, I do love, um, be involved, you know, um, um, I, some, one key that kind of, I will be meditating on and I will be sharing with the people I know is also, you know, how to understand, uh, how to activate, you know, and, um, I've gleaned so much from you, Dr. Sharon. I really have enjoyed my time. Um, it, it, I know that I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna put up your, the website. Is there any particular way that you want people to contact you? Is it uh, if they want to hear more from you or get involved with what you're doing? Uh, what is the best way, Dr. Sharon? Well, they can always go to our website, propheticvoice.com, uh, but uh, also or just contact us at admin. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, but they can always contact us there. But we always have ongoing training. And I just want to say this to you. You don't know what you can do until you are put in places where you have to make a withdrawal upon it. And so mm -hmm. um, I believe that a good part of activation isn't just giving you opportunity. It's getting around those that are going to pull deep from the inside of you. Because the person that you need to prove that you really do hear the voice of God with clarity to is yourself. And because you're the one, is it me or is it God? Is it the devil or is it me? You know, I mean, uh, is it, it, you know, all of those kind of things. And I believe that when you honestly know that God is speaking to you, because he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. He already believes that when you hear his voice, there's going to come a aha, I know, and that you're going to take action and be obedient. He already believes that about you. And that's not just about prophets. That's about anybody. He believes that about you. But you need to be one that gets in a place where you uh, don't wait till you're in a crisis to hear the voice of God, but that it becomes part of your uh, daily uh, uh, relationship with God. And I always tell people, cultivate conversations. You know, I think uh, people have used the prophetic word, turn right, turn left, stop, go. And that is not cultivating conversations with God. You are not going to build relationship with God or anybody else by by having uh, just directional words. And I love it when uh, uh, the word it says, "Come, let us reason together." God wants to talk. God wants to unfold. God wants to tell us mysteries. He wants to us to seek secrets. He's not withholding those things, but He is bringing a level of focus and responsibility to you. And when you were uh, first came to know the Lord and revelation just came to you and you go, oh, this feels so good. This feels so good. And all of a sudden, you know, a revelation would jump off the Bible page into your heart. And you felt like that care bear who love just poured out of you to everybody else. And you, you just gave that. And now you go, God, why aren't you talking to me like that anymore? He says, because now it's deep calls into deep. 
and uh, you're, you're mature and you're grown. I want to talk to you about different things. And so it becomes our responsibility um, to not just wait for a revelation to fall upon us, but also to seek the revelator. Amen. I think that is the word for the season, to seek the revelator. You know, and I believe God is really asking the church to come and have conversations with him. You know, um, I do love the focus on, rather than the directional word, the call to intimacy and conversation. Um, thank you so much, Dr. Sharon. It has been a pleasure to have you with us on this sh uh, the show, this Revival Life. Um, just um, thank you so much. Um, God bless you. God bless the ministry. Uh, want to honor you. Thank you so much. Let me just pray for uh, uh, those that are watching. Sure. This is this is such a good program. You know what what Prethi carries is life and and her heart is revival and the fullness of what God has. And so in bringing forth different people speaking, what she's what her heart is is to feed you that you might be everything that God has called you to be. And so hearing about revelation, all that should do is create a great hunger on the inside of you. So Father, right now we just ask. Father, would you visit the people right there in their homes, right there on their device, whatever they're watching this program on. God, would you visit them? Would you bring a, a raising of the volume, an amplification, Father, of clarity, of details and facts on the inside of them. Father, that they might grow and that they might have a confirmation and affirmation. And Father, that they wouldn't need to prove themselves and they wouldn't need to defend the word of God. Instead, that our heart's desire is just to reflect you to the world. Father, I pray for these. Father, that, that you've been growing and they've been frustrated with their growing. Father, we ask for alignment for them. Father, we ask, Father, they'll come into places, Father, where, where their growth will just be accelerated because of the mentoring and the opportunities that are given them. And Father, I thank you right now that even with what happened in the States with some disillusionment, God, the only thing that's going to come of that is, Father, that there is going to be a stronger area, Father, of those that know what you're saying, speaking what you're saying. There's going to be a stronger area of humility. And I believe that that is uh, uh, so wonderful. And if I could just say for the States, I love the States. I'm American and I know we got to go, but um, this, is we have time. Not, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. I believe that, uh, uh, you know, instead of like Trump was saying, you know, let's make America great again. I believe the spirit of God was saying, let's make America humble again. And I believe out of the humility will come a greatness. It is not. You know, I, I mean, I don't know which of you wants to judge that. I don't want to judge that. I don't want to reap that judgment. But I do believe that there's an amazing humility that God is releasing within all of us to be able to deal with whatever we have to deal with. Amen. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Sharon. Really appreciate you. Oh, um, I look forward to seeing you soon. I, Amen. I do. I thank you so much for being with us. Um, God bless you. God bless. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Sherry. My pleasure. I'd love to do it again. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. Love you, darling. 
I really want to thank Dr. Sharon Stone for joining us today. My gosh, what an amazing message to meditate, to get involved with the prophetic that we have, to humble ourselves before God. You know, so much, so much to glean from in that, what he, she has taught. Join me next week as I host Christian Life and speak to him about being a carrier and a witness of Jesus Christ in our time and in our generation and to see the revival fires break forth in our nations. Be blessed. Have a wonderful evening. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,